Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com, or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. No Doug Gottlieb today, but you've got me, Dan Beyer, and the 10-year NBA vet, Ryan Holland, sitting in for Doug, getting you set for a weekend of NBA playoff action with some of the matchups not even set because we have the final two playing games coming up tomorrow. One thing that is set, though, that's the Boston Celtics and Brooklyn Nets will face off in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Boston, the two seed, Nets getting the seventh seed with their win over Cleveland in that 7-8 play-in game a couple of days ago. Ryan, it is by far the going to be the most watched first-round series, but now there's even more intrigue. And for those that may have missed it or didn't hear what Monsi said at the news desk just a few minutes ago, there is a report, ESPN, saying that Ben Simmons could make his Nets debut at some point in this Boston series possibly the week of April 25th. That would be around a game four time. If you're Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets, 
Is it a good idea to have Ben Simmons make his debut with the team during the NBA playoffs? At this point, you have to. You know, this season has been less than ideal for, we just talked about James Harden and Ben Simmons, but you have to get him on the floor. And I, I guess one of the gifts for Ben Simmons in this situation is he's so physically gifted. If he gets on the floor and he's healthy, he's going to be a good defender. He's athletic. He's strong. He can get downhill. And you're not, you know, begging for an amazing skill set. But that's really what the Nets need. And a guy pretty much to set up KD and Kyrie. And, you know, if you're Ben Simmons, he's, he's just saying, man, somebody believe in me. You know, you know, I don't want anything extra. You know, maybe Philly had too much pressure. I don't want to speak for Ben, but hey, a fresh start is always good. And I know when I've been traded or gone to new teams, you know, in season, there's a level of hey, they needed me. They don't have anything like me. And when you're looking at the Nets, they don't have the youth that he brings. They don't have that defender off the ball. They don't have the versatility. And he could be their starting center in certain lineups. So I think seeing him ease back in is going to be very important, and possibly even seeing him against you know second stringers, maybe not the first stringers yet, and and just see where he goes from there. But this is a huge piece that could really change the dynamic of the Eastern Conference, honestly, because Ben Simmons is an all-NBA defender. I, I, I am admittedly a glass-half-empty sort of stuff when it comes to these things. And Ryan, I am on record on this network for about four or five years for not being a believer in Ben Simmons. Just never... Never bought it, never believed it. Um, I understand the the, I guess the freak nature of you know of having a guard be six ten and, uh, but I, I just I never, never bought into it, and so with all of that combined, I just don't think it's a good idea. I I I, I think the Nets are having enough trouble figuring out how they're still incorporating some of the guys from the from the Harden trade that that are not named Ben Simmons. And we talk about the problems we just did a little while ago that the 76ers are having in trying to get James Harden and acclimated and trying to work that trade out in two months. I just don't know how the Nets could think it's a good idea for a guy that has had so many problems, whether it be with injury or even with his mental well-being, to put him in a spot that isn't a 100% spot to succeed because I think that there is the doubt that it may not work and if you put Ben Simmons in if you put him in in a game four scenario and you're up two one in the series and you lose game four you know where do some of the fingers go pointed to you know they start going towards Ben Simmons or you're down one two and you want to put Ben Simmons in and I, I just I don't think it's a great spot for him and they may need him they they may need his presence out there and I think your point about about him playing the five is very intriguing, but I just don't I don't see the gain because I don't know how it can work out so well, especially for a guy that is still trying to ramp up and get used to everything. I just if I'm Brooklyn, I'm just you know wiping my hands clean and saying we'll get this set next season. I don't see a lot of the payoff for Ben Simmons to play at all, not only in this Boston series, but even if they were to advance at any point in these playoffs. Well, here's the big difference. He may be the better fit than James Harden, who when he first got to the Nets had to kind of adjust his game, be more of the point guard, facilitator. That's really what Ben wants to do. And we know KD and Kyrie want to shoot the basketball. And you're not asking the same load of Ben Simmons. So Philly was like, you got to – 
shoot the basketball. You got to make free throws. You, we need a, a certain level of production from you or else the team is going to fail. And the Nets are not asking that. He can just play a role. And in a sense, the, the paint is going to be wide open and you don't have the same needs. You don't have the same ask of Ben Simmons. So, and we've, I've always said this. I said this for a long time ago that Ben and Joel just needed to break up. But I never, ever imagined that it would happen in this fashion. I think they held on to Ben a season or two too long because their best attributes were paint production. And you had two guys who, who dominated paint, so one of them was going to suffer. And it clearly ended up being Ben Simmons. But now you have a situation where you got wings, you got a spread floor, and Ben Simmons can get downhill. I think these questions were always, what would he look like in these scenarios? And I think you get a chance to see it. But I, I just say, you're, you're asking Ben sure. to play a comfortable role, right? That That's the part that I struggle with, honestly. Because I think that there's a difference to playing third fi- fiddle and then going in and rebounding and playing defense. Like, I, 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 you know, there's it's it's one thing to be the compliment to the compliment if you want to be the third option. But I just I don't think that that's Ben Simmons. And to your point of him going in there wanting to, you know, rebound and play defense, that's a much different role than just being the third option. And that's the part that I would, you know, then struggle with as well, where if Ben Simmons is going to play, you're going to try to make him a part of your big three. And if you're going to try to make him play, that's just not realistic in these playoffs. Like, I think that there's a difference of than having him go in there and rebound and play D as opposed to being like, all right, now you're the guy that's got to score 15 a night. And I think that that's, that's the rub that I can't get past. Like, I don't – I think that Ben Simmons would – has no problem being the number three of the big three – but if you want him to go in and just rebound and play defense, I don't know how well that works. I think it's comfortable for him. You know, really? I, I don't think Ben will. And it's and in certain games in the playoffs, the criticism is that he disappears. But it's like Ben just does his job. I don't. I don't think he has a real yearning to do more. I think he just has the talent, and I, I don't think we can tell like hold a player to a standard just because the talent state. If that's not his drive, if that's not what he wants, you know, he doesn't have to do it. You think about Ja Morant. Like, Ja wants to be good. Like, Ja's pushing to be one of the next faces of the league. Mm-hmm. You know, LaBella Ball has that, you know, I'm that guy. Give me the ball. And Ben is like, dude, I'm just going to do my job. I'm talented. I like basketball. And I, I don't have to be that guy. I, I don't think he's ever demanded to be that guy. He's got a passive kind of chill personality. And I think, you know, he's in a situation with two alphas. And that, I, I, I just firmly believe it's going to be a better fit down the run, down the stretch, because he's going to be himself. But I hear you, Dan. It's like, is he going to be healthy? You know, that's a question, too. But I assume healthy enough, and you work him in, and he, he's young, and once his body kind of gets back in basketball form, he should be ready to go. I just, I think that there's more damage that can be done by playing than than not. Like, like, do we think that the Nets are an NBA championship contending team? I think anybody would say a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is a contender. I think that that you're in the equation. And even if they don't get past Boston in the first round, which is a very, very tall task for them to do to all of a sudden turn on this switch, you know, when the games matter the most, I I think that's, that's a tough ask, but that's what Brooklyn's going to have to do. Now you put in Ben Simmons who took time off uh, for mental reasons, for mental health reasons as well. And to now put him in a situation where he could be put as the scapegoat. He could be put as the guy who's who's the reason maybe they didn't make it past Boston. I just think that there's more damage that can be done, especially in this Boston series. Like, 
I, I, I don't want to put the Raptors in a bad, you know, in a bad spot, Ryan, but if the Nets were playing the Raptors, I think it's a little different story. But this is the marquee series in the first round. This is this is the one that everybody is watching and everybody's going to be watching every minute of it. So every little thing is under the microscope and you put Ben Simmons under there and there are certain things that go wrong. I just think that there's there's more damage that can be, you know, that can happen than than maybe good. And if you just held off and just said, all right, this is the group we're going with, the group that we've had for the last two months that are still, by the way, trying to get accustomed to playing with each other because of the the trade being so late. I, I just think that that's the more prudent play. I, I, I really do. And I and I'm again, it's not me being a Ben Simmons hater and thinking he can't do it. I just think that there's more to risk than than just uh, trying to win a couple of games in the playoffs that maybe you wouldn't be able to. Here's the thing. We have to look at this playing in Philadelphia versus playing uh, with the Nets in Brooklyn, completely different type of environment. I I tell you, as a former professional athlete, if I had a city turn on me, that is tough. And if you're Ben, it it just wasn't a good fit. I mean, from a mental aspect, that can wear on you. And I think, you know, it isn't said enough or respected enough that as a pro athlete, you go through depression. You go through a lot, man. When your whole life is dependent on – was dependent on hey you know who who are you or who you're going to be you know you pretty much go out and you value yourself there especially at a young age you don't and when things don't go well you know you question your your value as a human being and it's it's just a scary place to be in and everybody can't last in that so I just think Ben is in a more positive place I think it's a question of health but I we cannot deter just like Philly ain't for everybody man like it, sure. that's that's that city will eat you up as an athlete I'm more worried about his the, the, the mental health and I and I think that I, I don't want to question anyone's mental health, and I sometimes feel that we go down that road um, in this platform, and it's not fair. I do think that in Ben Simmons' case, there were some unique circumstances and had some people scratching their heads on being like, all right, is it a mental health issue or is it you just don't want to play in Philly again? And I think that those questions were legitimate questions. I'm not concerned about Ben Simmons' body in terms of health-wise physically, I think that him playing in this series and not turning out could be more damage mentally. That that mental block, that reason why he passed up the dunk, and you know uh, when he was a member of the Seventy Sixers in the playoffs. Like those are the those are the things that I'd be worried about with the dominoes if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, if I'm playing Ben Simmons too early or playing him when he's not necessarily ready in these certain circumstances. That's just my concern. There's not too many Ben Simmons that can come off your bench, man. There's not too many Ben Simmons that can, you know, guard all five positions, you know. And like I said, I'm, I'm optimistic that sure. he'd be healthy. But, hey, you work him in. Let's say he plays five minutes in a game, right? Five five minutes, ten minutes. He's not the Ben you expected, but you, you work him in and you see what you got. Because be, if, you're, if you're Brooklyn, this is a team, like, they're in the locker room. And I've been in these situations, no matter what seed you're in, you have the talent. They're like, we can win a championship. <laughs> like, their mindset is a yeah. championship. They're like, Ben, we'll work you in early. Don't worry. We're going we're gonna to take care of who we're playing. All right. We're, we're going to take care of the guys on the other side. And, you know, we get out of this. You, 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 we're going to allow you the time to get healthy, to be yourself. But is it worth experimenting five minutes yes. for the sake of a maybe messing up a playoff run? 
Yes, that is absolutely. And I don't think it does not mess up. I don't agree that it messes up a playoff run. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that because the expert you're not saying Ben Simmons go out and get me, you know, the triple double or, or Ben Simmons go mm-hmm. get me 30. You, you know what I'm saying? You're not asking for that. And right now it's a real depleted roster with the Nets. You know, they, they're yeah. scrambling yeah. for guys. Yeah, they're they, playing. They're playing really young guys. And, you know, Ben is still a young guy, but he's he's got more experience than, you know, part of that roster. Perfect. I'm glad you said that. If things were fine in Brooklyn, would you do it? Like, like if it wasn't out of necessity, which this may be, would you still play him if it was an added luxury to do it, just to try to get his feet wet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like I I, I said, there's that. He's a as a talent. He's a top 10 talent in the league. Now, he may not be putting things together, may be injured, and we can point to a number in different areas, but like his talent level is, is off. The, like, if you've seen Ben is Simmons it, up close. He, can, he can't shoot. If you, you know, see like, Ben Simmons up close and personal, he has the physical comparisons of LeBron and Magic Johnson. Now, is he living to that? No, don't take that out of context, but at a worst-case scenario, you try those guys out. Those freak of natures get more opportunities. And I mean, like, dude, he's all of, like, 6'10". Like, this is a big man, you know, that yeah. can move, that can defend, that can do a lot of stuff. I I just am not a believer. I, I, I don't know. I, I just – I need to see it. And, 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 again, as the guy who's not the believer, I think that more harm could be done. Uh, we shall see. Again, the window – games four to game six that you could see a Ben Simmons debut in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, your home for live sports. That means all sports, every game, match, race, and competition. It is always on. Now go on and plan your trip at visitlasvegas.com to see the best and brightest in Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. He's Ryan Hollins, the 10-year NBA vet. Get him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins. You can find me, Dan Byer, on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. From talk Talk of one NBA superstar to another. Is Trey Young living up to the hype? That's next year on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Ryan Hollins, your league is doing it again. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He is Ryan Hollins, the NBA vet. I'm Dan Beyer sitting in for Doug. The propaganda with this association, Ryan, and and entities trying to tell us that nights were magnificent and spectacular. I am looking at a headline right now that says Trey Young's big night leads the Hawks to dominant win over Hornets. Half of that is correct. Dominant win over Hornets is correct. But just because Trey Young led the Hawks in scoring does not mean it was a big night for Trey Young. Clint Capella, 15 points, 17 rebounds. I say that's a, a pretty good night. DeAndre Hunter, 9 of 16 from the field, 22 points for the Atlanta Hawks. That's a pretty good night as well. Trey Young shot 8 of 24 from the floor last night for the Atlanta Hawks. I, I am not a believer in Trey Young in terms of his production, Ryan, contributes to the Hawks winning. The, 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 one of the topics of conversation, because we are so involved with the Nets and James Harden and Ben Simmons and LeBron James and the Lakers, one of the stories that was hardly ever talked about this year was that the Atlanta Hawks, who made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, 
we're in the bottom half of the play-in tournament, which occurred last night. And I know that John Collins is is hurt and hasn't played for the last month and a half. But I just I'm not a believer in Trey Young, and I think that, that, that let me say this. I'm not a believer in Trey Young going off for 40 is good for the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think that that is the case. And I feel like we take Trey Young and we blow him up because that's what we want to do with NBA superstars, where sometimes their production does not correlate with the team's winning. And I think that's what happens with Trey Young. And so I see a night like last night where they're dominant against the Hornets. And listen, I don't expect anybody to sit around and, and break down and, and watch what the Hawks did uh, to the Hornets. But Trey Young was 8 of 24, 1 of 7 from 3 for 24 points last night. I just I, I think that if Trey Young dials it back and gets other guys involved, the Atlanta Hawks are better. And we aren't talking about that as much. Uh, this year, even though the Hawks seemingly took a few steps back. Here, here's the difference here. I agree with you, and I don't. I, I think that in in the midst of the season, I think Trey Young has gotten caught up with just scoring the basketball, and, and there's an element where he could have hurt his team. Maybe they didn't have the same success defining roles. John Collins is a huge, huge piece. He's not quite the Draymond dynamic, but yeah. he just really compliments and allows Trey to be Trey. He can shoot the three. He can rim run for lob. You know, you don't need to rent a play for him to be effective in a basketball game, so he's big. But I do disagree in this game because Trey Young was a plus 27. And tell, I'm telling you from just seeing Trey Young in the last game, you got a double team you had to pick him up early. He's the closest thing to the Steph Curry effect without being the Steph Curry effect. And he shows up in fourth quarters. He hits big shots. He's confident. You know, he, he solidified himself as a bona fide star. And where he has trouble is defending. And that's where John Collins and Capella, those guys, come into play. So I am a believer in Trey Young. I think that, you know, he's going to have to be a bit of a distributor. He's going to learn how to manage that position to be better. But I think I am in on him. And you can't deny the success that they had last year. And, I mean, if you really think about it, they broke up the band in Philly. You know, we're still trying to figure out what's going on with Philly and the Nets and Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. And we got to give the credit. That was Trey Young, man. I I feel like – I just feel – in Trey Young's numbers last year, he averaged uh, three points more per game this season, was fourth in the NBA in scoring. But when he's not scoring as much, others are involved. And I think – you know, I go back to to last year when they faced the Bucs in the NBA – Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA playoffs. And Trey Young had a huge game one. And I am a Bucs fan, so there is some bias here. However – I felt that Trey Young going off in game one may have been the best thing for Milwaukee because I felt that Trey Young felt that he could win the series by himself. Now, he did get hurt. Uh, that is not his fault. Uh, Bucks ended up winning the series in six games. But I think that Trey Young, Trey Young is great as a player that can score. And you mentioned the Steph Curry. Like, we get, we get enamored with the 35-foot threes, which he can hit. But I don't see Steph Curry taking as many bad shots as Trey Young does. And I also just feel that Trey Young, if he dials it back a little bit, even if he dials it back a step, Ryan, it allows the other guys to take two steps forward. 
It allows uh, a DeAndre Hunter. It allows a Bogdanovich to take that next step to also contribute. And I just think they're a better team. Like I don't think it's a coincidence that Trey Young averaged three to four more points this season, and the Hawks took a step back. That they were, you know, four or five spots lower than they were a year ago in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And I just see a headline where he shoots 33% from the floor and goes one of seven for three, and it's Trey Young's big night. I don't know. For some reason, that just irks me a little. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just a Trey Young angst for me. That, that, that could be the case. But I think the Hawks are better as a team, and he is by far their number one, but... Uh, we'll see. We'll see what he can do in the uh, playing game against the Cavs coming up uh, tomorrow. Howard Beck, SI.com Sports Illustrated, joins us. Also the co-host of the Crossover Pod. Do you think it's worth, uh, Howard? first of all, welcome, Howard. Glad to have you on the show. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Ryan Hollins and myself, Dan Byer, sitting in for Doug Gottlieb. Do you, do you think it's worth, Howard, for the, uh, the Nets to bring back Ben Simmons making his debut in this playoff series with the Celtics if that happens? I've had that same conversation with some folks around the league the last couple of weeks because the way I keep framing it, the way I've seen this is, you know, we talk in this league a lot, we being, you know, media, fans, coaches, players, everybody. We talk about chemistry and continuity and camaraderie and all these other wonderful C words that describe teams that are really kind of bound together, that they can read each other, that have, that understand how to play and win at a high level together, how to rely on each other, how to trust each other in tight moments, you know, offensively, defensively, all, you know, it's, it's five guys on a string. That's the best basketball, right? If all that matters, then it has to be significant and significantly risky to introduce Ben Simmons in the middle of a playoff series when he hasn't played a single minute or even practiced a single minute with this team and hasn't played in the league for anyone since last June. Like, that has to matter. So when I've thrown that at people in the league, they've said, yes, but you still have to play him, <laughs> which you do. I mean, he's, he's a multi-tool, multi-position defender. Their defense is spotty to be charitable. And you can immediately bring in Ben Simmons and put him on the other team's best offensive player at almost any position. And that alone would be valuable. His playmaking is valuable. But, again, and Ryan can correct me if I'm wrong, if chemistry and reading each other and having time together and practicing and playing together and all that muscle memory means anything, then there at least has to be some downside to doing this. And, and I, my gut tells me that there is a downside. I'm going to put you on the spot here, man. Appreciate your work. Um, what direction are the Lakers going in? I, I, I mean, just whatever angle you want to take from from roster to uh, coaching, what, whatever you see. But what 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 options do they have, and what direction do they go in? They're pretty hemmed in, and I, you know, look, it, it's that doesn't take a, a genius to read their situation. Where it's you know they've got cap problems, they've got roster construction problems, they've got age problems, all that. I would actually start here, which is. Before we even get to what do they do about the roster, and obviously now a coaching vacancy, and I I don't think Vogel should have taken the fall there, but irrelevant at this point. Before you get to any of that, the real challenge for the Lakers is in the front office. Um, And that's not to suggest that they should blow that up, but they got themselves in this situation, and it's going to take, I think, some real serious creativity and, and, and audacious thinking, ambitious thinking, to get out of it. And I don't think this front office has shown us over the last several years that they have that. 
So I think the first thing they should be doing is trying to figure out, is there anybody, if you're not going to replace the front office, and again, I don't advocate for anybody ever getting fired in this league, but then you at least need to augment the front office and find somebody uh, to help you steer your way out of this. Because I don't think that they have the creativity there as it stands right now. Would you, would you take show. someone out of the Lakers family or should they keep it in the family? You know, they like to keep, you know, keep it close. Uh, I, I don't even I'm not going to venture to say where that would lead them. I just think there are a lot of really bright people around the league working in front offices, not all of them at the top level. The guys who are number two and number three who are really good with this stuff. And you've seen teams do some really creative things to uh, reimagine themselves on the fly. The Lakers need that because when you're this capped out and when you've got Russell Westbrook at $47 million for next season and you don't have a lot to work with, you don't have a lot of picks, you don't have a lot of other assets to use in trades, you're kind of stuck. So the best thing you can do is find somebody to help you figure out the best way to get unstuck. Howard Beck is Sports Illustrated joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's the NBA vet, Ryan Hollins. I'm Dan Beyer. On the heels of that, and this is my opinion, and you can respond to it as well, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easy to make a deal for Anthony Davis when you just give up everything and Anthony Davis comes to town. It seems to what you're saying, Howard, is not only with the the conflicts, with, with the lack of draft picks, with their money, but it's also just, I don't know, is it, is it too far of a reach for this front office to even, you know, conduct a trade that could free them up from this? And I'm not even talking about just Russell Westbrook. Like, the, it, it, do you know what I mean by the Anthony Davis trade was maybe easy because you just give the Pelicans yes. what they want and you get the superstar? This is the opposite of that. Like, is, this over, or is that over Rob Palenka in that front office's head? I wrote at the time of the Anthony Davis trade, whenever that was, three, four years ago. You can go look this up, my, my previous employer at Bleacher Report. That column, I think, is still up there somewhere. Um, I said that the Lakers won the trade and lost the negotiation. And I stand by that. I know they won a championship in the meantime. Mm-hmm. That means something. You can't dismiss that. However, they gave up way more than they should in that trade. Did they win the trade? Sure, they got Anthony Davis. Did they lose the negotiation? Yeah, they gave up all their picks and pick swaps into, you know, ad infinitum into the future. And they gave up Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart. Um, they, Anthony Davis only wanted to go one place, the Lakers, and, and was a free agent. He had all the leverage, which means the Pelicans had all the leverage. The Lakers should, uh, or excuse me, the, the, the Lakers had all the leverage because it was the only place he wanted to go. The Pelicans had no leverage because he was a walkaway free agent. And yet the Pelicans were able to squeeze every last valuable piece out of the Lakers. And so th- that comes back to haunt them in a time like now because they don't have as many pieces to use or as many players. And then the same thing, you know, in the Russell Westbrook deal, to match his salary, you end up sending out multiple players. So time after time, they're giving up, uh, you know, a whole array of, of players and picks that leave them hamstrung. And that's why they are where they are. You know, it's, it's it, you know, we can, we can pin a lot of it on the Westbrook deal, but it is, it's a series of decisions over the last few years. Howard Beck joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Ryan Hollins. I'm Dan Beyer. You can find Howard on Twitter at Howard Beck. Go ahead, Ryan. Howard, uh, who who do you like? Is, is it hard not to look at 
Milwaukee and Phoenix coming out of the East and West again. Is there anyone that you see that could knock them off? Maybe like a a, a Miami, possibly, or or, or you know a, another team who who could dethrone the you know the the former NBA Finals matchup. I mean, at a glance, you have to say that those are the favorites to go back, right? The Suns and the Bucks, which is like the most boring answer in the world, but it actually would be a really good series again, I think. Um, but I think the strongest case right now is for those two teams. That said, it's not a given. And I think, you know, the team I've got an eye on, especially on the Western Conference side of this, is the Warriors. Like, there's not a lot of teams in the West. In fact, there are no other teams. I don't you know. The Grizzlies, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Jets. Like, nobody else has the capability of knocking off the Suns at full strength. But the Warriors, it looks like Steph's going to play game one, maybe on a minutes restriction. If Steph is Steph, and if he can get out of that minutes restriction soon enough, the Warriors are going to be as dangerous as any team in the playoffs. They've got championship know-how. Steph was playing at an MVP level for much of the season. Klay Thompson looks like he's pretty close to the old Klay Thompson. Draymond's still doing his thing. And their supporting cast, I think, is pretty stout, and, and their depth is, is great because they developed their young guys over the course of the season. So I think the Warriors could knock off the Suns if the, if the Warriors are at full strength. In the East, I think the Bucks are, are the likely or the, the deserving favorites as defending champs. Um, I think the Celtics, I know Robert Williams is out right now. Maybe he's back by the second round, but the Celtics are playing at an incredible level the last few months and have the offensive firepower to to – certainly challenge the Bucs, um, and they play defense at a high level too. So I, I, I think that would be my, my you know, other two to keep an eye on at this stage. Uh, Howard Beck joining us here on Fox Sports Radio, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Just on the heels of that, I felt Milwaukee's win over the Heat last year in the playoffs helped them. It was a big hurdle for them to clear, and I know if Durant's foot is six inches behind the line, it's a different story. Could that same effect happen with the Celtics, who seemingly said, all right, we'll take Brooklyn. We'll beat, we'll beat Memphis on Sunday. We'll take Brooklyn in the first round. Do you think that could aid the Celtics uh, if they do get past the Nets, uh, if they go further in the playoffs? I mean, I think every time you knock off a team with great talent as the Nets have, even if they are a lower seed this year because of weird circumstances, I think it certainly you know boosts confidence and, and, and just gives you that, that little extra to go into the next round. Um, yeah, I think it's more just a matter of whether the Celtics are ready to win at this level. You know, they made a conference sure. finals run when they were all pretty young. And, you know, they've, they've evolved over time. Marcus Smart has become a legit point guard and include, in addition to being an elite defender. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have just continued to make great steps. And Tatum, you know, broke into the, the MVP race this season. And, you know, th- those guys have become better as playmakers. Um I think that team is is well orchestrated defensively, and so you know beating the Nets, sure, confidence booster. But I, you know, this is a team that's had some playoff runs before. I don't think that they're daunted by anything in the playoffs. I think it's more about her, of just them evolving as a unit. Are we not giving enough attention to the Golden State Warriors? It, 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 are, are they, have they been overlooked? Is it a matter of, like are we just overlooking Golden State? Is it the way they kind of limped in? Injured? Like what's what, what's going on there? What can you make of the Warriors? Well, that's why I brought up the Steph Curry thing and and the, the idea that those guys could knock off the Suns because you know the beginning of the season the Warriors were the hottest team in the league for the first couple of months yeah, yeah. with 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 no clay 
And with no, and all we kept saying was, what happens when they get finally get Clay Thompson back? And then they get Clay back, and then Draymond goes out, and then eventually Steph goes down. It, it's not that people are sleeping on them as much as it. I, I think we've got two years of the Warriors just kind of being out of the conversation after you know Clay goes down and Kevin Durant leaves, and they're just kind of an afterthought. And so it's, I, I think it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around the idea that that their time might still be now that they're not in the in the rearview mirror. They're not just this. You know, oh hey, they were a nice dynasty once upon a time. No, like they're, the the core is still there and still has, I think, some run left in them, if they can stay healthy and if they can get healthy this postseason in particular. So yeah, I think I think people have just kind of forgotten about them a little bit. Plus, you know, the Suns were just so far ahead of the pack in the regular season and they're just so solidly built that I, I think it's gotten hard for people to imagine them getting knocked off at full strength. Yeah, I, I'm actually in that camp. Uh, there was a while when I thought the Suns wanted to win the regular season, and I thought that that was a problem, but I just think that they're better than everybody. Uh, that's, uh, that is the camp I am in, Howard Beck. Howard, we appreciate the time. Uh, can't wait for these playoffs to start. I'm sure we'll be checking in with you again soon. Thanks, man. My pleasure, fellas. Thank you. Get him on Twitter at Howard Beck. Read him on SI.com, senior NBA writer, and also make sure to check out his crossover pod, which he is the co-host of. He's Ryan Hollins. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Today's show is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. The Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal and a lubricating strip that keeps things smooth. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. Coming up next, wow, we have a LaMelo Ball update coming up. That's in the press next year on Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Ryan Hollins. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug today. I've got good news for you, Ryan. Traffic will not be as bad going the opposite way as it was coming in today. Well, that doesn't make me a professional. I, yeah, I was late, so I, <laughs> I'd rather be here on time. Uh, listen, there's nothing you can do about it. I, I learned that the hard way when I first moved to L.A. And, uh, yeah, there's, not, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, major traffic jams outside the Fox Sports Radio studios today, all wanting to see John Ramos. That's why traffic was so bad and Ryan got caught up in it. No, I got I got more good news for you, Ryan, though. Monty Bolaños is here with the press. The press. Get her on Twitter at Monty Bolaños. Find Ryan on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins. Find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. Monty, what you got? Oh, I got so much. Let's start with LaMelo Ball. So apparently he hates wearing the number two. And he is planning to switch his jersey to number one for the 2022-23 season. This is the quote that's supposed to happen. I'm not supposed to wear number two ever again in my life. End quote. Mm-hmm. Malik Monk had number one for the Hornets, and obviously he's not there anymore. He tried to make this change, but he did not do it in time of the NBA deadline to do such thing. Ah, so. I thought he was maybe ATT Employee of the Month because that's apparently <laughs> his next goal. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was, by the way, Ryan, I was completely wrong. I didn't think LaMelo would work out. I thought Lonzo was going to be the the star of, of that trio, but LaMelo Ball is – Definitely Ballin. proved me wrong. Yeah, yes. for real. I was I was with you on that too, Dan. 
Yeah, once I heard he was six eight, I figured it was he was he was pretty much over. I, I, I saw that I, was, I saw that one coming. He, that kid's just too confident. Like sure. people don't understand, even at the NBA pro level, dude, confidence is everything. Yeah. And, and those at home listening, if you're if you work in a bank, you're a school teacher, whatever, like your kid doing your homework, like confidence is everything. Believing in who you are, like it, it's literally everything. Like Lamelo Ball shows that, and he gets it. Whatever you want to say about his daddy. His daddy is putting confidence in him, and that boy is showing it on the court. That is a big part of who that young man is. You're right. You're right. Confidence is important, and we do know that Tom Brady has a lot of it, but not when it comes to that infamous combine picture that is all over the internet. So apparently today, Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter, and Tom Brady tweeted at him and said, hey, if you buy Twitter, can you remove that picture of me from combine, please? <laughs> so we'll one see. One of the classics. One of the classics. We'll see if that ends up happening. And I mentioned about Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Listen, the NFL reports are saying that he will not play in this season with his current deal. Uh, that's what still, they're saying. Yeah, there's still a ways away. That, that's a lot. Um, I know he probably wants a lot of cash, but uh, when we get to training camp, that's what I'd be worried if I was a Cardinal fan. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Ryan, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, John Ramos pulled his kid last night after 69 pitches and the uh, wheels came off as – uh, they uh, they lost their baseball game. It was a three three tie, but then uh, they lost ten to five. So John John is the anti Levar Ball. No confidence in his son's pitching arm after sixty nine pitches, and gave him the hook. It's cold. I know. <laughs> I mean, hey man, I, listen. Analyt- I think it's a miss of analy- analytics versus the eye for the game, man. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you got to have both, all right? John's the Dave Roberts of U12 in South Pass. 